All right, for tonight's uh, Bible study, I figured, you know, we're on the last Wednesday of, of the year, and I was looking at uh, different opportunities to speak to this in the Bible, and um, I was led to uh, Psalm 90. So turn to Psalm 90, and those, that's going to really, uh, that entire psalm, is, it's not a long psalm, um, but it speaks to um, tonight's message. And so Psalm 90, uh, verse 1, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. And of course, for, for us this, this year, hopefully, right? Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return, ye children of men. What I like about this verse is it says it's about the forgiving nature of God, that we destroy ourselves with so many things we put in our bodies and all the things that we do to ourselves. But God says, Come back to me. I'm still here. Verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. And this is applicable as we close out this year, that a moment for, for, for God is, is nothing. He's not subject to the rotation of the earth and the earth around the sun and all of that stuff that we are so caught up with our 24-hour cycle. Five, thou, cry, thou, thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as a, as a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a, as a tale uh, that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we ask you to just uh, be with us uh, this evening, Lord, as we uh, delve deep into your word, Lord, and the things that you have placed on our hearts, Lord, and, and uh, what your word is, is telling us and, and guiding us to do as, as we go into uh, this next year, Lord, and um, and just uh, take away anything that uh, may uh, hamper our ability to be able to, to receive this message. We ask you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So Psalm 90, I think, is just a perfect psalm as we approach the end of the year. For one thing, the psalm includes that word year more than any other psalm. Um, in the Hebrew, year is shena, and, and it appears seven times in, in, in this psalm alone. And, and so as we read and we f- reflect and we look at the, the opportunity that, that's before us to think about what we're, what we're going to focus on next year um, and, and maybe the things that we occupied ourselves with uh, this particular year. And so apart from the frequency of the word year here, uh, this theme speaks to us um, in terms of uh, wrapping up this calendar year and, and beginning to, to uh, say, look at what God is saying to us in terms of um, he, he has been with us through all generations from year to year, as in verse 1. So even before the mountains were, were born, he says in verse 2, God is always for us. So we choose to focus on him. It's a choice that we make. Um, and, 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 you know, we focus on him, not on our circumstances. We don't get wrapped up in whatever problems we're having. And this time of year, people do get caught up with, with problems and drama and family events and those kind of things. And we forget that God is there and always will be there to solve whatever we're going through, right? And so um, we kind of make a big deal out of uh, changing years, things in our lives. But as we see in in verse 4, from God's perspective, a thousand years are as a passing day, just one day to him. We saw this in Sunday school. You don't have to go there, but I'll read this again in James 4, 13 and 14. Um, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away someone told me the other day it's like it seems like this year just went faster just like you know it was just January you know recently and, and it's just like every year is, is the same, you know, but the reality is it's the same time, it's the same amount of time every year, except next year, right? You know why? It's sleep year, so it's, it's going to be a little longer. So if somebody says, it seems like it went by faster, I'll say, no, it, it was actually a little longer. So we busy ourselves with daily uh, activities, day in and day out. I was imagining um, if we if we could put that camera in that same corner uh, day in and day out, you probably even see the same people going to work, doing the same things day in and day out. And even the world tells you you need to stop and smell the roses, right? Um, because for the world, it, it, it's still about contemplating the physical things, the looking at the physical things, not the spiritual. They go to work, make money, next day do the same thing over and over. Now, as Christians, we need to stop and take stock of what we're occupying our time with, right? What we're spending our our time, our thoughts, our hobbies, our loves. What are we doing with all that? And that's what this devotion is all about, to stop and contemplate the spiritual. So so we're going to look at the past year um, and look at what we chose to, to, to spend our time with and maybe what we should be spending our time with 
next year. So it, it, it's no surprise that we have a small crowd tonight. Anytime the preacher's gone, people stay home because they think that he's not going to notice. They don't know that I take attendance and tell them. It's like, you know who wasn't there? I, I got the list. I got the list for you. Um, but, but they chose to occupy their time with something else tonight, didn't they? You know, for whatever it is. And, um, and then, you know, the other thing, I don't know what made me think of the guy that, that would always have the, the New Year's uh, dropping the ball, Dick Clark, right? Anybody watched him? And, and, and that guy, they wheeled him out to his dying day. I mean, he couldn't even talk. He was like, you know, what did he say? Because he, he couldn't talk. But he was still out there. His throat was all messed up, right? And I'm thinking, why are you there? Why are you there in the, in the cold? You should be spending it with your family. You got maybe, you know, a couple of hours left yourself, you know, and so um, spend it wisely. But he was, that was his thing, you know, and that's how he chose to focus on that instead of focusing on his family, what was important, right? But eventually the hustle of the season ends, right? We take down all the lights and all that stuff and when that quiet moment sets in and, and we start thinking, well, maybe I should have, you know, if I only would have, you know, we, we start analyzing. We, we should have been in church more often. We should have uh, been there that Wednesday night. The preacher wasn't there. Um, we should have participated in the ministry more. You know, when the preacher asked for volunteers, I should have raised my hand. Um, I should have been bold enough to talk to that cashier about Jesus when they brought up something and it was my opportunity. I knew it was my opportunity. I was convicted, but I didn't say anything. I should have handed that track over. Uh, I should have said Merry Christmas when they said Happy, Happy Holidays, right? I should have. And so that's why the, the world will agree with the Bible up to a certain point. Go to Luke 12, 19 and 20. Luke 12, verse 19 and 20. Everybody's familiar with this voice and uh, with this verse. And the, uh, and the world knows it really well. And I will say to my soul, now this is man talking to himself, man telling man, right? And I will say to my soul, soul, <laughs> thou hast much goods laid up for many years. So he's saying, I've saved all these things, all these things. I got a bunch of stuff, right, for many years. Take thine ease. Take thine ease. He says, it's time to chill. Time to just relax. And what's that? What's the next thing? Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's biblical. So the, the, the world will say, hey, eat, drink, and be merry. That's in the Bible, you know. And, and, and so they recite it all the time. But they don't bother to continue the actual lesson in here, right? Um, they stop there and they ignore the outcome, which is actually a warning. So verse 20, it goes on, that God said unto him. So the first part, man says to man. The second part, God says to man, thou fool. <laughs> I read it that way, right? And fool back then was like calling somebody an idiot. You know, you know, get a hold of yourself. This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. And so the, the question is, what's going to happen when it's all over? Then, who shall those things be which thou hast provided? 
all that precious stuff. All those things that they, they accumulated, that they thought, oh, now that I accumulate all this stuff, I can eat, drink, and be merry. I don't, I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And, it, and it's off or not. Whose things will th- those be when they pass us, right? And so we all recognize these characters, especially this time of the year. You know, there's all sorts of version of Ebenezer Scrooge. And I'm sure everyone here's seen at least one version or a couple of different versions. And why did Charles Dickens write this story? Why was it so impactful, right? Because, for one thing, he wrote it after his own actual experiences, not that he was visited by three ghosts or anything like that. But um, he, he, was, he was a child laborer. His, his father was sent to prison in the debtor's prison, and, and so he was the only one that could provide for his family. And as a, not even a teenager, he was, he was basically uh, sent to a factory as child labor. And, and then later on, as an adult, he went and visited uh, the Field Lane Ragged School. This was a shelter for London street children and found out nothing had changed. They were still in squalor. These, these, the, the situation in their, uh, their life was as pathetic as when he was growing up. He had managed to get himself out of that. But he, tr- he wrote about the treatment of the poor and the ability of the selfish man to redeem himself by transforming himself, right? He was able to reflect on how he interacted with his own father and, and how he interacted with his own family. He had a crippled nephew. It played into the story as well. Um, and so a lot of people wondered, well, is this a Christian story? You know, is there a Christian theme here? Because the world was, isn't, isn't um, used to that kind of thing. They're not really too concerned about loving thy neighbor doing the right things, and so on. And, and so he wrote about all that. Um, but the other main premise of the story is the ability of this character to re- reflect on you know, what they did in the past, what their life was like, what kind of situation they're in in the present, and then, and then of course, the sneak preview of uh, what the future holds in, in store. But the bottom line is that have you ever gone to an estate sale? Anybody gone to an estate sale? And you, and you walk around, you see other people's stuff, and they're, they died, and their family's just trying to sell this stuff up because whatever doesn't sell, they're just going to throw away anyway. You know? And here's this person that accumulated all these things in their house, um, you know, souvenirs from trips and vacations and all this kind of stuff, commemorative plates and things that really didn't, doesn't really mean anything to you personally, but for them it meant a lot because they kept it, you know, for 20, 30 years. And then if you, if you watch any of those shows concerning hoarders, that's to the nth degree because people keep stuff because they don't want to throw them away. They just can't throw them away. But what happens when somebody comes in to clean up or if they pass? Everything just goes into the dumpster, right? All that stuff. And so um, this is a reminder who shall those things be which thou hast provided? It will belong to the trash bin, wouldn't it? So it begs the question again, what are you valuing? How do you value your time? 
There's a AC Nelson um, stats that show that the average American spends about four hours a day watching TV. And then you add your screen time. Now, screen time, I'm talking to all the other screens, you know, the computer screens and the iPhone or Android screens and all that kind of stuff. And, and so you add that additional time, and so it's an additional seven hours. And, and some of it is work-related if you have a, you're under, uh, working in, a, in front of a computer and all that. But now you're up to 11 hours a day on the screen. And they say too much screen time can cause a whole host of problems, especially in children. So especially in children. Headaches, blurry vision, brain fog, eye strain, sleep issues, tantrums, maybe adult tantrums, issues with problem-solving skills, obesity, uh, chronic neck and back problems. No, no you know, surprise there. You see everybody hunched down. Depression, anxiety, separation from God, lack of spiritual growth, and acceptance of societal norms. Now, I have to explain that, acceptance of societal norms. In other words, I'll give you a perfect example. 7% of our population are engaged in homosexuality. But if you watch drama shows, reality shows, sitcoms, 100% in that show is involved with homosexuality. So society is, is, is wants to give this illusion that the, the, the homosexual lifestyle is, is just 100% of society when this is just a small little segment. And so they're trying to bring that into a societal norm. And they're, and they're close to that, aren't they? So social media and screen time, it's, it's such a huge challenge for parents that uh, my daughter uh, was telling me about a, a pledge that a lot of parents are now taking, and it's called the Wait Until Eight Pledge, and it, and it empowers parents to rally together and agree to do the same thing across all the same kids, especially in, in, in a school, and they sign that pledge um, that they won't give a smartphone to their child until at eighth grade or at least the end of eighth grade. And, and that's to protect them in, uh, against all the stuff going on in elementary school and middle school, uh, distractions, the dangers of smartphones, meaning the cyberbullying, especially in middle school, cyber predators, pornography, all the other problems that we mentioned, and not to mention also the whole brainwashing to societal norms, telling them you don't really need God in your life, you need TikTok. You know, that's what you really need. But God consistently reminds us in the Old Testament and New Testament that the hype surrounding the, this marking of time doesn't really matter in the long run. Um, this Sunday night, the, that crystal ball is going to fall in Times Square, and, and will it be really any different um, in, you know, when that number changes? Well, the only difference it's going to make is if we choose to be different, to make different choices, right? Um, with what we fill our eyes with. So Psalm 90 acknowledges the difficulties of life, and it tells us we get about 70 or 80. Well, with our medical technology, uh, some of us are going to be maybe 90, 90-something, right? Um, this guy here running a marathon, right? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like that guy there. I mean, the guy in the back sitting in the chair back there. 
that's not the guy running. My mom's 91 years old, and 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 uh, she tells me, you know, you know, I, I keep asking God, you know, I'm waiting 10 years. I don't know why He keeps me around. And, I mean, she literally t- every single phone call tells me the same thing. Um, but even our best years are sometimes filled with with pain and trouble. For it is soon cut off, and we flee away, and tells us about life. And that's in verse 10 of this psalm. And it may sound harsh, abrupt, it's soon cut off, um, but that's the Bible, right? The Bible uh, doesn't make nice comments to make us feel good. Uh, the Bible doesn't lie. It gives us things that we need, right? Things that for growth, things that we need to hear. And as humans, we want the truth. We need it. Otherwise, we'd be in one of those churches that probably isn't even having a Wednesday night service. Um, and it just tells you, you know, everything's, gonna be, everything's great, everything's fine. Um, just love on each other, and all your bills are going to get paid, and, you know, you'll never have any problems. Um, but the, the reality is, uh, here in America, we have plenty to eat. But millions out there in the world are without food. Here in America, we have lots and lots of Bibles. We probably have two or three in our homes but plenty in the world don't have a Bible. Uh, We've heard the gospel maybe from like when we were little, but many have not heard the gospel at all. And so we, we, we ask ourselves, um, did we do anything about that? Anything to change that this past year? Verse 12 offers the prayer to the Lord, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So the Hebrew of this verse could be translated literally that teach us to count our days so we might gain a heart of wisdom. And sometimes that nuance is it's hard to translate, but this is what it would translate in the Hebrew. And so how that does acknowledging that our life is short help us to be wise? Well, for one thing, we realize that we have just so much time to dedicate that we should be really eager to use them well, right? Uh, rather than letting it kind of slip through our fingers, so to speak, um, you know, with the things we, that, that we mentioned. Um, you know, accepting the, the limits of our lives will help us use every minute that God gives us. And so Psalm 90 tells us, choose wisely what gives life purpose and meaning. She's a loving relationship with the living God, right? Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. That's verse 14. So the world wants to fill our time with all the other things, like sports and uh, things that... And you see people doing all sorts of different sports. or They call different things sports. They call some things that I don't think that's a really sport that people spend hours and hours training for, and they actually have Olympic sports for just about anything. I I don't get this one, you know, (laughs) but apparently it's really popular. Uh, And they spend hours and tons of money, and uh, the countries are paying for them to go do this, to slide a rock on an ice, you know. And they call them athletes and, and so on and so forth. And I just thought, these, these folks that trained for 
I mean years, you know, and, and, and spend all this time consuming all their thought process in, in this particular activity instead of reading the word, instead of preaching the word, instead of getting the gospel out there, so on and so forth. Um, all sorts of opportunities for you to occupy your time. Um, I could never do it because I couldn't do the pants. You know, that would just be too much for me. That would that would be the deal breaker right there. But anyway. Oh, oh now you're going to give me the pants for Christmas? I should have known better. I should have known better. All right. So the psalmist tells us in verse 14, Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And I think, I uh, can't think of a better thought to end the year with, right, and begin a new one if we live each day in the satisfaction of God's love, right? We'll be empowered to live for him, to love him uh, through serving our neighbors, uh, to rejoice in his blessings. Uh, we won't be passing the years and, and, and um, you know, frivolously. We, we accept each day as a gift. And we can reflect in the year that we had with satisfaction that we served him. Um, and we can look forward to a new year and we can say, you know, when the preacher asks for help or there's something that needs to be done, here I am, Lord, use me, send me. And the, and the good thing is we have a lot of people here that do do that. They see somebody doing, hey, brother, can I, can I help? Hey, can, what do you need help with? So on and so forth. Here I am, send me, Lord. Um, of course, the challenge is when we're going through troubles, right? Um, when life doesn't go our way, either something that we've done to ourselves or somebody's done to you, right? That's the challenge. It's, it's in those times that we really uh, learn, reflect, and gain strength. And, and maybe you went through that this past year. Um, verse 15 of that psalm says, Make us glad according to the days wherein with thou hast afflicted us being glad in that affliction and the years wherein we have seen evil because we learn, because we grow, because we, we challenge. And, and, and way often I see people come to the Lord because they're going through a, a particular life challenge. Um, I can safely say that I learned a lot from my older brother. I had three older brothers. I was the youngest. And, and, and um, they, they all taught me what not to do. <laughs> Because you can learn from that. Um, and, and, and even with one of them, I saw evil. There was evil in him. There was no doubt that there was evil in him. And I learned from it. And so we are glad when we can recognize it, right? Um, then when we can do a course correction, we can say, okay, they, they did that. There's no way I, I really want to do that. And as Christians, we have uh, the advantage um, that, 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 you know, we're, com we're compared to the rest of the world and, and, and we have that, that, that path that the Lord has set us on. And we can lean on, on God and learn from the, from the word. In Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But this only happens with those that have a relationship with him, when we have that relationship with the Lord. Those in the world or Christians that don't have a service life or a prayer life, they turn to their own understanding. They try to solve their problems first, and they dig that hole deeper, and they dig it deeper, and they dig it deep until they realize they can't get out on their own, and, 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 and then they yell for help. 
So some takeaways for tonight. Things to think about, things to keep your testimony, to reflect on this past year. How many times did you lose your temper? The temper got the better of you. Number of times you, you spent gossiping. Uh, number of times you neglected your Bible study to get into the Word, to allow that small voice of the Lord to talk to you. Number of times you failed to apologize when somebody wronged you. Verse 16 tells us, Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. So for us Grace Age believers, um, we don't do work. We don't do things seeking salvation. We don't work for it. But you better believe it affects our testimony, doesn't it? All those things we just talked about. And that impacts our children, those that surround us. And most importantly, the way people see us. Uh, They don't just see us, right? They see a Christian. Um, and that impacts them, either good or bad, doesn't it? And, and, and that's, the way the, that's why the psalmist says, um, and let the beauty of the Lord our God, this is verse 17, uh, be upon us. In other words, allowing God to be reflected through us, being the light of the world. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. And each according to the gift that the Lord has given us, right? Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. And, and then when we serve him, that light is then reflected through our work, is reflected through our deeds. And in James uh, 1.22, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So our children, our friends, our family, um, they'll hear us talking about God, they'll hear us, reference maybe the Bible, but I can guarantee you in the back of their minds, they're, they're, they're thinking and they're wondering, well, I don't see that in you, Mr. or Mrs. Christian. You know, you're, you just said that, but you're doing this other thing, or I know you're involved with this other thing, you know. And, 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 and of course, the, your family is the worst because they'll say, well, I remember when you were five years old and you did this one. They'll bring, us, bring up all sorts of stuff, right? So we deceive ourselves, but the people that know us are not deceived. And God is not deceived. They see right through that double standard, right? So I think we can talk about finding a balance next year. I never advocate that we should be walking around in robes and, you know, uh, in constant state of prayer like a monk or a nun or anything like that. Um, it's important to, to feed our minds, to feed our bodies, to feed our spirits, to educate ourselves, to read books, actual books, not like Facebook. <laughs> feed our spirit, our soul with the Bible, with devotional time, prayer time, um, and keeping active, our bodies active. Why? So we can ser- serve the Lord, we, so we can help uh, get that gospel out. It comes full circle. So I'll leave you with this thought here um, as we get ready to close out. How have you lived this year to the fullest? Have you? In, in, in what areas of life do you need more of God's wisdom? What is using most of your time, godly pursuits or worldly pursuits? And it's always a good practice to, to reflect 
back as we close out the year. Uh, you know, we, it, it's always a good opportunity. You know, everybody talks about New Year's resolutions and all that stuff. Uh, I think as a, as a Christian, we don't, we don't need a particular market time, but it's just convenient that you're wrapping up one year and, and, and say, okay, yeah, I didn't do the Bible reading. I'm going to do it this year. Or I didn't do this, or I, I didn't serve. And there's something nagging at, uh, at you about your Christian walk, and this is always the best time to kind of reflect on that and, and decide to do something about it. Uh, any comments? Questions? Yes, sir. That's right. Yeah, you know, they always say you can't take it with you, you know, and uh, I've mentioned that before, and I have a picture of a hearse with a U-Haul in it, you know, it's like, and it's like, yeah, this, they can bury it there. It's not going to do you any good when you're gone. It's not going to do anybody any good. Um, but, uh, but the Lord knows what, how you occupy your time, um, and so it's, it's, it's always good to reflect on that. Any other comments? All right, we'll have our missions focus and then our uh, prayer time.